Welcome to the Chicago Bears Podcast. A presentation of ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. Here's your host, Pat, the designer. Bear Down Bears fans, the Thursday edition is here. Mini camp has come to a close, and apparently Justin Fields was cooking today. We got Courtney Cronin here to break that down for us. We're also going to talk about who stands out offensively, defensively. What are we seeing from the rookies? All that and more in today's episode of the Chicago Bears podcast. I am loving what I'm hearing out of mini camp today. Courtney, how are you? I'm good. It's nice to know that this is the last time I'll be in Hallis Hall till the end of July. It's a nice break. I know players were skedaddling out of here. I saw a bunch of cars flying by at you know normal speeds. Um, yeah. But getting out of here because they know it's going to be a very short amount of time. Like it feels like, you know, we'll get the training camp scheduled tomorrow, but it feels like yeah. the end of July is so far away, but everyone knows it's not. And you really only have like a week or two built in somewhere where if you're an NFL player, you can kick back on vacation, do nothing, go do business ventures, whatever you want to do before you have to start training because it's not like these five weeks are all a vacation for NFL players. you got to yeah. stay in shape. And, and we heard from Matt Eberflus that today they went over like, you know, the, the high, the weight that they want every player to come back at. They talked about, you know, making sure that you, you stay in shape to a, in, in, to a specific degree to prevent soft tissue injuries. That was kind of the message to the team, making sure that those are not something that, you know, pop up here in the break that they have between mini camp and training camp, but it'll be nice to, you know, kick back for a little bit and, and hopefully have a little bit of a summer before you get into training camp. And it's <laughs> roughly 25 straight weeks yeah. where you're going nonstop until the end of next season. Yeah. I mean, it, it, as, as fans, right. We're all excited, but when you're actually in the trenches, when you're, when you're out there doing the work, it can be a long season, hopefully not as long with as many losses. First quarter. We do got to talk about, I mean, let's start with yesterday just so that we can figure this out. I saw Bears Twitter losing its mind because our teammate Jeff Joniak went on uh, Waddle and Sylvia, I believe, and, um, you know, said that Justin Fields had a pretty good day. McKee said he liked what he saw out of Justin Fields yesterday on the podcast. And then, uh, you know, we heard from other stations out there that Justin Fields looked bad. So you were there. You saw Justin Fields. What is your assessment of what we saw from Justin Fields yesterday? And then heading into today, how much of a difference did we see? I think I saw the 15 of 18 stat that was out there uh, floating around about what Justin Fields did. I believe it was in seven on seven yesterday. I was trying to find that, like, which is, you know, an interesting stat to keep just because it is seven on seven. There's no pass rush. There's really no pressure in your face. It's, it's a passing drill. Uh, yeah. But I, I know that there's been some discrepancies. Like, is he really good right now? Does he look really bad? Like, honestly, Pat, and, and maybe I'm just like too much of like, bring it down a notch type person, <laughs> but this stuff doesn't matter right now. And I yeah. think the quote that I got from Ju- that I heard from Justin Fields today, when I asked him about, you know, building that chemistry with DJ Moore, like, in taking a lot of deep shots, not only are both of them very proficient with the deep ball, like Justin Fields throwing it, DJ Moore catching deep passes and using his speed to be a vertical threat, like 
that's all fine and dandy, but like you got to take shots and not every shot is going to fall complete. Like it doesn't matter. According to fields, it doesn't matter right now if a pass is complete or not, it, it will in training camp because yeah. you're closer to the season and you got to make sure that, you know, the, the, is he running the right route? Is the quarterback releasing the ball at the right route depth? And, and like, you know, the, syncing all those things up, the rhythm and timing and trust, you'll be able to tell those elements a little bit more clearly in six, seven weeks. But right now, it's okay to not have great days. It's okay for the offense to be up and down, which by and large, the first two days of minicamp, those were my takeaways. There were some yeah. good moments from the offense and there were some not so good moments from the offense. And yesterday was interesting because, I mean, Fields did throw, um, a, he threw a pick six and Jaquan yeah. Brisker's the one who picked it off and, you know, went opposite field. And that was, you know, who knows what like it looks like though, because that's where, you know, from where our vantage point is, that didn't stand out to me as man. He really like, you know, mystery. He didn't go through his reads properly. Like he, you know, it was the wrong throw. It's hard to tell. Um, they're more clear cut ones that like there was an interception that Kyler Gordon had the other day Yeah, uh, that I think Cole Komet like either tripped up on the route. Um, it looked like it was an overthrow, but it was, it was meant for Cole Komet, but it wasn't all on field. So take everything with a grain of salt right now. Yeah. It's okay for the offense to look like a work in progress. I just think that sometimes you know, when you, when you have a losing season and you're telling the fan base, be patient and you're saying, Hey, this offense is going to come together. And you're yeah. being told one thing from the coaching staff and players, man, it's feel like it's clicking. Um, the DJ Moore, Justin Fields connection is really good. All these other pieces are going to come into play. And then what you hear out of practice from people like myself who are there reporting it and you can only report certain things like, but in, in like, without going like way into detail, because again, like we only get to see right now we're fortunate. We get to see all of practice, but eventually that will change. So you yeah. don't know all of which happens behind closed doors. And we got three days of minicamp. There were a lot more OTA practices that we weren't able to see than we were able to see. So it's, it makes fans, I think, nervous when you hear Manny had a rough day because yeah. it's like, all right, well, when's the consistency going to come where you have a couple days in a row? And I go back to last year thinking how, like, during training camp, there were ta- there was like a one day the red zone period was so bad that even I was kind of like me, Mrs. Like rational level headed person <laughs> on this, even I thought it was bad. And sometimes that's a sign of like it's just not working. You need to fix yeah. some things. And sometimes it's just a bad day during training camp during times where they're either in shells or they're in pads. And right now they're not in any of that. So I don't know what all of the hubbub was about yesterday. I don't really. I wasn't paying too much of attention to it because frankly, for my sanity, I'm out here enough. I don't need to like dig through the the depths of Twitter to see what bears fan one, two, three, four, five on Twitter is yelling into the void about, but I can understand people want to see this offense look better. People want to yeah. see the passing attack look competent this year. And sometimes when you hear, Hey, it wasn't looking so good. Then there's, you know, people, you know, are concerned about it, but I would say just, just relax. Today was a good, like to end on a high note where it's not, man, I hope when we get back here in training camp, this thing comes together right? and to end at a place where the red zone offense looked good. Justin Fields looked accurate. Um, those are some tight window throws that he's going to have to fit on a more regular basis. And fortunately you have some big body guys who could be on the receiving end of that. That's a confident place, not only for the team, but I think for fans to walk away for the next five weeks knowing, hey, when they get back in training camp, they have a place to pick up from.
Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yesterday. That's just me sm- fan and smoke. That's all that was. I'm not gonna lie to you. I love the smoke. I was like, oh that's yeah, okay. we got smoke like, back and forth. It creates conversation. <laughs> the team's relevant. Like that's a better spot to be in if you're a Bears fan. People are talking about your team, and if the conversation is going on around your quarterback, then yeah. a team that it's like meh. Like, this is what you expect, because I think that stems from people not expecting that from Justin Fields. Yeah. And I mean, what we've seen to this point, I feel like we've seen a lot more positive than negative. We saw today, right, like that he apparently he he looked a lot more dominant in the red zone, kind of getting the ball out there when you when you're hearing what the coaches are basically gauging to this point. Does it give that feeling of, okay, we are where we expected to be at this point going into training camp? We are, right, like we're not behind schedule. We're actually maybe mm-hmm. ahead of schedule in some places going into training camp. Yeah, by and large, I think it's most places except for, you know, give or take the receivers that haven't been able to practice, which, right. you know, it's it's that position because of Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney being sidelined with injury. And then, you know, it's it's the cornerback spot, too. I mean, Tyreek Stevenson looks like that guy. And I know that Eberflus was asked about it today where he, you know, like, did you want like he wanted he wants the cornerback spot to be solidified sooner rather than later. And yeah. now you have a chance with Tyreek Stevenson to to get to like check that box off. So those are important things. And I don't get the vibe from this team that it's like, man, we have so much work to do. Do they have work to do? Absolutely. And it's going to be considerable, but it's not like last year where you didn't know who your receivers were going to be because you had, you know, a pretty mishmash group. Remember, it wasn't until like July. I mean, Dante Pettis was an offseason addition. Uh, Tajay Sharp was an offseason addition. They traded for Nikhil Harry in July. Like, the, the group is what they have right now. They just have to sort out what the roles are beyond the top three. And then, of course, the incomplete part of that is how does Chase Claypool actually look with with Darn, with um, Justin Fields? Because yeah. we haven't seen it outside for one training camp pra- or one OTA practice. OTA and practice, yeah. that's still an unknown. But really... The only holes you can point at on this roster and say, are they going to do something or are they going to stand pat is the defensive end position. And that's pretty much about it. I don't anticipate any other like major uh, off season moves because they did a lot of that. They did the hard part and the heavy lifting back in March and April. And now they've got to take this roster, see if there's any way for them to get better. And there will be like at some point, but I, you know, there's roster cuts, there's a waiver wire. All of that will play into this roster, certainly looking different than it does now, two months from now. But as of right now, I think that they're in a comfortable spot. That they're going into, tr- they're going into the break before training camp, knowing they're not going to have to start all over or start yeah. way behind the eight ball come late July. When you, we heard yesterday a little bit on from uh, on ESPN 1000 on the Waddle and Sylvie show from Sylvie that, you know, doesn't seem like, you know, Chase Claypool is where the Bears are expecting him to be. They, they, they're, he's hearing that, you know, they thought he would be further along. They thought he would be more into this process. They're not maybe liking some of the things that we're seeing. Are you hearing any of that? Are you seeing any of that from the coaching staff that's there that, you know, I get Claypool hasn't been there, but has the, Bookwork been enough? Has the work in the wide receiver room been enough? 
I guess keeping his body, you know, in shape hasn't been enough to this point, but it's soft tissue stuff. I haven't heard the, I haven't heard that. I think what they're saying publicly and they've said it at a number of different turns that, you know, they're really happy with how he's approaching this off season. And Justin Fields was like the first one who kind of like pointed that out that, and even again today, he, I'm trying to find the quote on it. Like he, reiterated with Claypool like he's really happy that he's had a chance to you know get to be around him throughout an offseason program and not you know I know that he hasn't practiced since the first week of OTAs but when he got when he got to see that part he felt like he was growing his word tremendously from last year until now so you got to base at least like that's that if you're if you're Justin Fields and you're the Bears offense you're all right when he comes back, let's pick up from that. And then, of course, with Darnell Mooney, they're not concerned at all because that was Fields' guy for the last two years. And, you know, his injury, his season was cut short by yeah. injury, but they are expecting he's back at training camp. I think the thing with Claypool, it, it's just like, well, what happened? Because soft tissue injuries, like <laughs> Matt Eberflus pointed that out when asked yeah. about Claypool after we didn't see him the second OTA. He said, guys are dealing with soft tissue injuries at this time of year, and it's Best not to push it if you don't need to. And you don't yeah. need to. It's June and May. Like, you don't need to go full out and, you know, potentially get yourself more injured. Fields kind of reiterated that again today, too. And I just, I don't think with Claypool you can rule anything out yet or say, oh, man, like this is really going to fail again his second year here yeah, because yeah, yeah. we haven't seen it. And they have not said anything to the contrary publicly about how he's been approaching this offseason. I think I think the fear is which which cracks me up. Well, I guess not cracks me up, but no, nah, it is hilarious actually. Is that with the Bears, injuries go from like he's fine, we're just working through some small stuff to all of a sudden somebody's on IR. Mm-hmm. I, like we've seen that so many times with this team and especially even under Flush, right? Where it was, you know, he's dealing with something day to day. He's dealing with something week to week. Then all of a sudden it was, yeah, we're probably good. We're, we're going to set him up for surgery. It's like surgery. Yeah. Let this was, surgery come Lucas, into play. Lucas Patrick thing, like from <laughs> last year where, you know, you go from, okay, day to day, week to week into, wow, this actually is a more serious injury than we thought. And yeah. that would be the worst case scenario for yeah. Chase Claypool yeah, yeah, yeah. if it was something that kept him out of training camp. And and Flus talked about how the timeline right now they expect it, like where Claypool and Mooney are back at training camp. If there is some sort of setback, though, that's not a good sign because yeah. where the conversation then trends to, this is a very important year for Chase Claypool. He's in a contract year just like Darnell Mooney, but Chase Claypool is a second-round pick. The Bears traded a second round pick to get him. Yeah. And you don't want to make it look like, wow, what a waste of a pick that ended up becoming, or what a waste of a trade and yeah. giving up your second round pick, which became 32 this year. That was because that's a lot of draft capital to give up for a player you were absolutely anticipating shaking up the room in a good way. And if he doesn't, then there's going to be all the buyer's remorse sort of conversation that comes into play about like how they would have gotten that one wrong. Yeah, 100%. Uh, Second quarter. We heard you. I heard you talking on ESPN today. Um, the connection that DJ Moore and Justin Fields have built. It seems like it's come along a lot quicker than expected, especially with DJ Moore's comments. I believe what first week of OTA mm-hmm. where he literally was like, I mean, we're cool. You know what I mean? We're getting it together. We working this thing. It seems like that connection has gone from we're cool to, hey, this is 
the number one guy. He's the best wide receiver I've ever had in the room. And this is one of the best quarterbacks I've ever had thrown the ball to me. Have you seen that that kind of play out this to this point in uh, minicamp? Yeah, what DJ Moore said May 23rd was the connection, the chemistry is a work in progress. And that by the time end of minicamp, you hope it's in a good spot so you can pick it back up in training camp two to three days, you'll be on the same page. I feel like they might be a little ahead of schedule. And that's a good spot to be in. When I asked Justin Fields about that, he said, yeah, it has come along quickly. He didn't put any expectations on it. He didn't say, you know, oh, we have to be here by this date because all receivers are different. But when you have somebody like it's a really good thing for Fields because it's a good thing for DJ Moore because (laughs) (laughs) he gets the same quarterback every single day. No question about who's going to be coming in and out of the starting lineup, who's going to be throwing him the ball, barring injury, because Fields is the guy for 2023. Now we'll see if he's able to be the guy beyond that. But right now, DJ Moore has nothing in question about who his quarterback was. In Carolina, he did. So being able to be effective as a receiver and knowing how to adjust to different quarterbacks, the timing of different quarterbacks on certain routes and what he needs to do to make himself successful, which in turn makes the offense successful. Like you have somebody who makes it easy. That makes a quarterback's job easy. And what Field said that his body language is, is easy for him to read. That makes Field's job easier. So I, I believe that they're in a really good spot because the splash plays we see the big, explosive gains yesterday there was the one um that was like it was a deep ball and he was in double coverage with elijah hicks and and jalen johnson flanking both sides of him he still made like there was a thread the needle and just a beautiful over the shoulder catch by dj moore those are the plays that give you confidence that the passing attack is going to take off but dj moore being very much at the center of that deep ball game is no joke and that's what the bears are going to be leaning on to help this offense we heard that uh, Justin was pretty dominant today at OTA's final, or I'm sorry, at a minicamp final mm-hmm. day. What'd you see? What what stood out about how he was throwing the ball that that showed he was dominant in the red zone? Yeah, it's a red zone. Today was truncated because they were like letting guys get out of here early. Yeah, yeah. So they were doing a red zone period. And I think it's interesting because remember, Flu said a couple days ago, that like, you know, when he's asked about, do you want fields rushing less? And it's like, we don't want to like, you know, just be like very like intentional, like, oh, we want him to rush for this many yards versus over a thousand. It's picking your spots with him. And the red zone's an area where he's going to have to run the ball a lot. And that's okay. Like that's an area where you are comfortable with it. But today, you know, getting to see him down there, throwing the ball. There was a catch as a fade in the end zone to Robert Tunyon. And then a um, Equinemia St. Brown had a touchdown as well during the red zone periods, like following up on Justin Fields accuracy inside the 20. And then again, in the low red zone, when those windows to throw are so much tighter because the coverage is so much tighter. And then the, that part of the field shrinks and yeah. in actual size, that's, where you're going to want to see growth from fields. And that's what Matt Eberflew said they got to continue to work on because he has some big bodies that he can utilize down there. Uh, Cole Komet being one of them. Uh, On top of that, you know, Tunyon's one of those guys and, and even Chase Claypool. So having the ability to 
have your security blankets down inside the 20 is what he had a couple of years ago with Jimmy Graham when, you know, his rookie year. Cole Komet was emerged into that play. It really wasn't until like week seven or eight last year. But I, I would, if I, if I were the bears, I'd walk away feeling pretty confident today going out of minicamp and into the summer that you ended on a good spot because the yeah. offense, this was by far the best day we've seen from the offense in minicamp. Man, it's it's good to hear, especially red zone stuff, because for me, it's like what, the Bears have been a team for years that can get down to the red zone and just can't get anything done mm-hmm. in there. So it's so it's always good to hear, like, you know, you're, you're being successful in the red zone. I do want to ask you as we get into the second quarter here outside of Justin Fields, because everything is Justin Fields. Everything is DJ Moore. We traded for him. He's our he's our, you know, first round pick, blah, blah, blah. Who stood out to you in minicamp offensively? Who was the who was the or collection of guys, whatever yeah. it is, that stood out to you offensively that you were like, that's actually going to be a strength for the Chicago Bears heading into training camp? I don't know if it'll be a strength just yet because you'd like to think so because of how much added attention the offensive line got. They're not mm. in pads yet. We'll see what they look like against the yeah. pass rush, but we're not dealing with the game of musical chairs and a lot of shifting parts up front. That yeah. is rare. Usually you have teams like not just the bears, but other teams that have personnel changes. And then it's like, I don't know. Are they going to try him at center? Are they going to try him at guard? What about, right. you know, kicking this guy around to different spots last year was Tevin <laughs> Jenkins going from left tackle to right guard in the matter of like six weeks. And yeah. so you don't have any of that. And you can tell in talking with the offensive line that that is a welcomed change because they all get to focus on one position. And Tevin Jenkins, when I asked him about it yesterday, said that the like being a left guard, knowing five minutes, according to him, five minutes after Nate Davis was signed as a free agent, he said that like he got the call from Chris Morgan about like, hey, you're going to switch over to right guard, right from right guard to left guard. He's like, okay. Yeah. So it allows him to get good at his craft. That's what he said. And I'm sure it's just like any job when you're not bouncing around trying to do two different things and you have to like, you know, on the offensive line, flip your footwork, flip the way your brain is kind of working, like from the left side to the right side. He's had weeks now, not just in practice, but like in the meeting rooms and everything else before OTAs began to, to get it down, to get his footwork down. And now he knows what he needs to work on going into the off season. So I'll say the offensive line mm. from left to right. We know everyone who's projected to start. They got a top 10 draft pick in Darnell Wright, and they didn't mess around with it. It wasn't always oh, got to earn it. Like from the second he got here, he was a starting <laughs> right tackle. And that's a good sign for scouting. Yeah. It's a good sign for the front office that they got it right. And it's a good sign that the coaches are, have a player that they can work with. And we know they did their due diligence on Darnell Wright because of the the workout that they did at the University of Tennessee and how many times they visited with him, it's clearly paying off early that the rookie is not an outlier. Because sometimes on the offensive line, you can tell there's a guy that's a little slower than everybody else or somebody yeah. who you know might be struggling to, to block guys. And again, if he does in training camp, I won't be surprised. We have seen this happen. Like There are a lot of welcome to the NFL moments that rookies have. And I anticipate Darnell Wright's going to have his fair share of them. Like nobody comes in as a polished product, but he's up to speed with the rest of the group right now. And leaving minicamp, that seems pretty rare because you don't 
with this group, at least the last couple of years, in the year that I was here last season covering them, you, they, they didn't have their offensive line set until you know midway through training camp when we saw what the first team unit looked like in the Kansas City game and then the Seattle game. And, of course, you got to prepare for injuries. Lucas Patrick got injured the first day of training camp last Ooh. year. Yeah. So, like, what happens <laughs> if something like that happens again? Do you have the yeah. depth that can help you get through an injury, however long it may be? And has 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 the relationship with Tevin? It seems like it's a lot smoother this mm-hmm. season, right? He talked about going from uh, left guard or left guard to a right guard to left guard, yes. and said he felt like a guard. And he, he he appreciated that they reached out to him and stuff like that. But it feels like right, like last year, it felt like there was all this tension yeah, around oh Tevin gosh, Jenkins being a bear. And now it feels like, you know, it, it. I don't know if everything's kumbaya, but it feels like he's accepting to what the team is trying to do with him. Is that kind of the vibe that you're getting from yeah, Tevin? Yeah, absolutely. He, he said he's not living in the past anymore. Because last year, even after he switched from tackle to guard and they were shopping him during training camp, they were calling around seeing because it was just it was fractured at that yeah. point. It's a lot of credit to the player. And it's a lot of credit to the coaches to put fires out to make sure, hey, we got to get through this season together. And you've got to buy into this position because you're going to be vital to what we do. All of that coming together, there's a lot of credit that needs to go around because that's not easy. And a lot of times, like players who are disgruntled, you know, that can fracture a room. And when you yeah. need pass protection to be at a certain level for a quarterback who tends to hold on to the ball, um, you know, sometimes a little too long, that's asking a lot if that group isn't solid. And Tevin, I've always real I've always enjoyed talking to him. He's one of the more cerebral cerebral players that I've covered. And he can really just kind of tell you how he's feeling. He's not yeah. afraid to be vulnerable. He's not afraid to be like, yeah, I didn't buy into it. And even last year, after he made the switch from left tackle to guard, he said he still considered himself a tackle. Which, yeah. if you have that mindset and you hold on to that, I mean, of course, like future earnings for a tackle versus guard. Granted, we did see the guard market change the last couple of years in free agency. But nonetheless, tackle's where you make the money. Yeah. Like If you have that mindset, and you're, you're dead set on that, then you're never probably going to reach your potential at the position that they move you to. He said this year, like, he can't live in the past with that. Like, he considers himself a guard. He's had more than a year now at that position. And it's by time that he buys in. And he's doing everything he needs to do. Remember, last year when he went to right guard, he was one of the least talked about offensive linemen because he wasn't giving up sacks and he wasn't, yeah. you know, blowing, you know, blocking calls and everything else. Like he was doing what he needed to do and in, in, in blocking to a really good degree for someone who had switched, you know, midway through the offseason program position. So all signs are good signs with Tevin Jenkins. I think that the fact that this offensive line will be relatively boring because there won't be a whole ton of movement is very exciting internally because that means there's stability up front. Yes. Field said it didn't really matter to him, but I think it's more so like him putting the onus on himself to make sure that everybody's up to speed and no matter who is in or out, um, he'll have the call in and everybody will know it. But I do think that there, he has to feel pretty good about that knowing, Hey, the five in front of me are the five that I expect to go into every game with because there is something to be said about the consistency of a group that is taking the most reps together and understands what each other's assignment's supposed to be, understand what the communication's supposed to be, and then how to compensate if something doesn't go right. Was that you that asked him the Pilates question? I did. I did. I because, knew it was you. I, 
So he, I remember last year. So after the back injury, remember he had surgery as a rookie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had, this is before I got here, but I remember like reading up on it, like what the recovery was. And then last year, his thing was, you know, like he's talking about like beer and Pilates as part of his, (laughs) you know, drinking less beer and doing Pilates, which I'm like, that's a great strategy to get fit. And He's made it a point, and, and it was is interesting because Flus actually brought up Pilates today too with Javon Dexter, yeah. and the small muscles that you know that helps strengthen. Like I'm obviously not like you know a 300 and you know 10 pound offensive lineman, but it's like those muscles are so important, and you don't like with his neck injury. He said that he doesn't like, you know, being able to strengthen the muscles in his neck to make sure it doesn't happen again, where he got the stinger against Philly, thought it was more serious. And then of course his back. That's why Pilates is a huge regimen for him, part of his workout regimen. And same now with, um, with Javon Dexter, I wouldn't be surprised if they put Darnell Wright on a similar regimen because he's 330 something pounds right now. And he said, he's probably going to try to get down a little bit, but it's, it's a great workout. It's low impact. Um, and I really, every time I do it, cause I'm, I used to, I love cardio. I love going for a run. I went on, you know, I ran at the lake twice this week. It's, it's great, but doing Pilates and yoga helps you like being flexible. It's just yeah. like, just like walking around and, you know, not being in pain. And I can only imagine for an NFL player that gets, you know, puts his body through a meat grinder yeah. during practice and then during games to have that ability to strengthen your core and for Tevin Jenkins to make sure that all of the muscles that he's had some issues with are at a place where he feels that they're strong. That just, that yields a more confident player. I just loved his face when you were like, are you using a reformer or a super reformer? He was like, well, a, a what? So the Cadillac, <laughs> the thing that he's talking about, if you, if you Google like the, because where I go, they have like reformer classes. They've got athletic reformer classes. They've got super reformer classes. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It just means like, like the basic reformer is the one that doesn't have like the bars that hang up from it, where it's like you're pulling um, ropes more or less like yeah, into yeah, yeah. like, you know, it's for a lot of core exercises. It has, the block, the the bed is what they call it, and you put your feet on it. You can put the the springs at different uh, different like strength levels. There's like red, right. mine is red, yellow, and blue. But it's like the the Cadillac is one. Like I remember seeing Anthony Barr post on his Instagram, former Vikings linebacker who I covered, like how intense his Pilates workouts are. He works out with somebody who does a lot of NFL players during the off season. Yeah. And some of it, like, look, like they speed up the video so you can kind of see because it is slow and deliberate because you're training muscles. But as you watch him go through, it's like, man, like, you've got to be really flexible. And think about someone at Tevin Jenkins' size, like, going through the Cadillac. Just I tell you, Google it because it looks like it's like a contraption. Um, And it's huge. Like, it's a huge, it's much bigger than, like, the reformer that I use. But I, I... I know that it's a good workout because I've done it, but that's probably yeah. like the one physical thing I have in common with an NFL player. I mean, listen, you're doing good things out here. You, you and Tevin Jenkins. Just trying to strengthen our core. That's all. That's all it is. That's all I need to do mine, man. Cause I, I, I need to get on his plan. Less beer. Less, but it's so good. It's so good. My God. Somebody was like, Oh, just drink hard liquor. And I was like, who wants to do that every day? All right, I'll do that too. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> beer puts you. To, I don't know. I've like definitely like gotten off the beer train because I feel like it in summertime it's so heavy. But then there's 
like there's so many different places brewery wise I want to try in Chicago this summer. And I'm like, I got to make sure that I save my calories on the Pilates day. We'll go, I'll go out for beer. That'll be the day that I can um, drink the calories. This thing looks terrifying. The I Cadillac. Just, yeah. I I'm just telling looked you. this like, up. Let me see if I can add this in to the pit. This looks, t- this looks like we should not be able to show this. <laughs> On the show. Some sort of, um, yeah, I know that is intense. So the thing on the bottom, do you see this, like where the straps are? And then like you put your feet in there and that creates resistance. Like sometimes when you're like doing the exercise, it's like, oh, I feel pretty good. And it's it like it, it, it creates resistance. So you're like strengthening your hamstrings and then you can like flip your body around and do it the other way. And when you do like the, when you put your legs in the straps, and I can only imagine what it's like for an NFL player at their size when you're doing like the, the butterfly with your legs, like yeah. that's supposed to strengthen your quads, your, yeah. your yeah. hamstrings and, and other parts of your legs. Like that's, it's really intense, but low intensity. Like you're not like out of breath, but it's like, golly, that hurts. That thing, I'll, I'll let everybody in the comments. If you're listening on the, uh, on the podcast side, go over to the YouTube to see what that thing looks like or Google it. I mean, as it looks like something Zion Williamson would be into. But uh, <laughs> as we're uh, as we're keeping this thing moving along, Courtney, we are at halftime. Halftime, favorite time of the day, as always, because Courtney usually brings us pretty good nuggets. Courtney, halftime is here. What do you have for us? So Justin Fields let us know that he's going to France. Um, he, Deshaun Watson, and Jordan Love are planning to leave tomorrow. And then they go there. I think he said like, you know, like a week, 10 days. They're doing a youth football camp overseas. It's it's neat. Like, I, I don't know why France was a destination, but yeah. that's the first time for Fields that he will have ever been outside the country. And I was trying to, like, do the math in my head. Said, OK, like he's this is basically his vacation right. going over there doing football. Because by the time he gets back, he's in training mode and it's not, you know, he'll eventually start building in. All right. This week, I got to start running this week. Towards mid-July, he said he's going to have receivers, tight ends, running backs, whoever he can down, down to, Florida. to Florida yeah. to train. And we know that Khalil Herbert was down there with him for a little bit earlier this offseason. Khalil is a South Florida native, so I imagine that's probably where he'll end up being again. But the five weeks just feel like they go so quickly because they do. Because if you have your time booked up, yeah. and, and Field clearly does, it will you'll blink in its training camp. But I thought it was neat that he's going – to, you know, the, the NFL's had a big global ambassador sort of initiative about with the flag football stuff and then, you know, taking football overseas as part of like some of the programs that they're doing. And, and this is a neat one. I'm excited to see like what his experience is like going over there and, you know, being able to, to spread football to a different place that, you know, has a different football in France. Obviously, uh, PSG is like their big football team yeah. over there, but it's not um, not American football. As a as a Bears fan, should I feel good that the Bears quarterback and the Packers quarterback seem to be really, really close? Like, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> how to feel about that. Like Jordan Love's been working out with Justin Fields for what, three, four years now, pretty yeah. much. Um, it, I think it, him, him, Deshaun. Yeah, the David Mulligetta. The same, yeah. David Mulligetta represents all of them. So they like a lot of times. I believe it's down in Texas somewhere where they've trained. I think CJ Stroud has been. We've seen photos of a lot of them yeah, during yeah, the yeah. off season when CJ was still at Ohio State. He was training uh, with Watson and with yep. Fields. But it's 
there's probably some marketing deal. They're probably getting paid a nice, nice, uh, a nice check to go over there. And do it. but <laughs> it's, I mean, even though they're like off, they're still not off. It's still football. It's amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. how these guys really don't get much time to go and kick back and do nothing that relates to football. Cause even in like, you know, February, March, April, they're training, they're here, they're not here beats are training somewhere else. And then the amount of recovery stuff you have to do for your body. Um, trying to remember who it was. I think Eddie Jackson, we were, it was, it was him. Like you talking about like his foot, you know, the Liz Frank and, and working here with the doctors, working with his doctor, Dr. Mike, believe yeah. back down in, um, you know, either Florida or Alabama, like, these guys have so much on their plate just to stay in shape, just to make sure that they're, they are at a physical level. Um, so when like, you know, comes time to compete, there's no drop off and yeah. you know, fields is no different. Like, you know, fortunately there's no injuries that he's dealing with, but like his time is so limited where training is your whole off season. People yeah. think they like leave now and then they come back and it's like, oh man, they've had five weeks off. Like, yes, there's a little time off and you'll see guys, Instagrams, they go on fun vacations and really expensive trips. And I, and I really am curious to see what he thinks about, you know, the food in France, the culture and whether the NFL could be sustainable over there because we know the NFL is, you know, made England a priority. They have made yeah. Germany a priority. Will France be next? You can ask Justin Fields when he gets back what he thinks. Like, what's the reception of American football over there? I think you would have to have a. I've I've thought about this a lot, and it's it's you can't have like what Jacksonville wants to do, where they move over there and teams are flying over to play them. I don't think that that's possible, but I do think that you could probably start to have like countries with their own version of the NFL, kind of like how. Um, Soccer is where, you know, there's the mm -hmm. EPL. There's, I don't know, all the leagues. I'm not going to act like I do. Yeah, yeah. Bundesliga, all of that. And then at the end of the day, there's a World Cup that everybody competes in. I think I could see the, I could see American football getting to that point. I don't think I'll ever see it where there's a sustainable team that comes over here to play. Because it just, it doesn't make, nobody's going to fly over there to play you once a year. And unless it's a novelty game, yeah. like what the chiefs are doing this year and the couple other teams that are going to Germany and in England, like there's, yeah. I've never felt like that Jacksonville idea is a sustainable one because it's such a disadvantage for Jacksonville to constantly have to be in the United States. And how do you attract free agents to a foreign country when the majority of your free agents live here? I think that's a really hard sell. Even even with, I mean, listen, the difference in the dollar is a whole different sure. conversation. But like, <laughs> look at our debt ceiling. Like, that's you know I mean? like, <laughs> go ahead and like that could be like the number one reason it's not going to work out if, if the U.S. dollar ends up like you know torpedoing, and then yeah, I mean that's a whole other yeah, that's a, that's a whole story, different but thing. But uh, I, I I don't see it happening. Let's keep this thing moving along. No, let's get into the third quarter, Courtney. Third quarter. Because we talked about our biggest takeaways from the offensive side, mini camp. We saw the defense. We've heard so much about all the holes, but we've also heard that the defense is making quite a few plays. I think people forget at this point because of how much we want Justin to be good. We want the running game to be good. We want the wide receivers to be good. The defense also plays for us. Yeah. What stood out to you about the defense in uh, minicamp and OTAs? What's standing out to you 
about uh, any specific players or units over there? The defense is always ahead of the offense at this time of year because the offense isn't scheming for what the defense's coverages are going to be. They're not scheming for a pass rush and certain moves that like it's very everything's like very much like in the vanilla stages. Yeah. The offense is just trying to get together, focusing on themselves while the defense focuses focuses on itself. So the when you see more plays happening on the defensive side of the ball in OTAs and in minicamp, it leads you to believe, okay, they've got the right personnel in there. We've heard about like some of the new additions and how, how well they've, you know, adapted to this culture and the yeah. leadership. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds, TJ Edwards are going to be, you know, part of the heart and soul of this defense, which is great for two free agents coming in that they can get in that quickly. But the, other names that stand out, you know, Demarcus Walker now mm, going into mm. year seven and what he's going to provide for this team, the inside outside versatility, I think is so important because that's something if the bears don't end up getting any name that like, you know, can really make a big impact from, you know, the, the pass rush from your, from like the edge, he might be like your big one, the big player that you're relying on. So right. I don't like, I don't know what will happen with that in the next couple of weeks. Matt Eberflus left the door open to it. But as it stands right now, you know, until they get in pads, it will be hard to tell. Will you have guys taking making business decisions on run plays? Will you have blown coverages? How will a lack of a pass rush, at least what we expect it to look like, how unless there's improvements, how will that affect the back end of the defense? Because that's a, right. you don't want Jaquan Brisker leading the team in sacks again. As cool <laughs> as that was, you don't want that. But yeah, I, I you know Demarcus Walker, the two linebackers, Tyreek Stevenson, some of the new names that have really stood out during training camp are ones that you anticipate playing sizable roles from the jump this season, and that and that's good. That like the ones you expect are, are the ones doing the work and standing yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that I'm hearing about Jaquan Brisker intercepting the football. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I would like it to not come off of Justin Fields, but I mean, realistically, he knows it's passing downs. He's, he's out there to make plays, and I like that we're still hearing his name a lot. I mean, like, he, he was a guy to me that I thought could have been, I mean, defensive rookie of the year in the running. Now, of course, he wasn't going to win it, but I thought that he just, he really stood out for us, and I mean, even hearing about Kyler Gordon, how he's settling into the slot. I mean, mm -hmm. what what have you seen from him at minicamp? Was he still kind of showing those flashes that he showed in OTAs? Yeah, the the uh, last week or no, it was earlier this week. The the interception he had, um, he was in the right position. I think right. for him being in the slot, getting to focus in on that one spot will be critical to his growth because he was tasked with doing so much last time at this year, this year, last time this year, what is it at last year at this time, last year, he was <laughs> like, I just remember it's like, all right, well, where's he playing? Oh, we're going to cross train him at both. I understand the need to do it right. and to play, you know, the traditional cornerback spot where you've got the boundary and your opposite Jalen Johnson is important, but it's too much. Like he was, you know, sometimes having to play both positions actually like all the time, having to play both positions in the same game. And there will be an injury need for that, of course, but allowing him to zero in on one place, like one, one position will be really beneficial for Kyler Gordon moving forward. And uh, I, I just, I look at that secondary and it feels way more solidified this year going into camp than last year going into training camp. Right. You know, we didn't know about Eddie Jackson bouncing back. He's back out there right now. He's, you know, 
playing through all the rehab that he's had to do to his Liz Frank injury. And it's a great sign to see him out there. We knew that Jaquan Brisker had a high ceiling. You know, you really didn't know, okay, well, what is, what is he going to look like with Eddie Jackson? Is that mix going to work? Clearly it did. And then now you have your, your cornerback spot set. Like, again, yeah. this is so different. This is a different feel about this team than last year from offense to the defense, because you don't have positions that are totally in flux. If we had to name the corner starting corners today, you could do it. You can name yeah. a lot of positions on the defense that have starters today, and that's a good spot to be in. It, when when we look at this defensive line, I think that's where a lot of Bears fans' concern comes on the defensive end. But we've heard some names, you know, kind of showing themselves out. Demarcus Walker a little bit standing out as a leader. Even Terrell Lewis, who I I mean, yeah. like we heard that he was basically destroying Darnell right the other day, which is, I mean, at this point, okay, cool. Let's, let's improve on it. But is, is there somebody like that who right a Terrell Lewis or, you know, somebody who's maybe that fringe guy that was brought in just to be competitive that you're like, okay, I could see him being a real asset to the Chicago bears. Hmm. It's a good question. Um, Noah Sewell is where I'll go with that because mm. We know that Jack Sanborn's injured. He's still coming back with the ankle injury. I saw him walking around during minicamp. He doesn't have any like noticeable brace, anything on his ankle, left one that got injured. So how soon he's going to come back? I think training camp is, is the window that they're looking at, but you know, you want to see him out there at some point. He was, he had, there's so much promise about him coming off a really good rookie season until time he got hurt. But Noah Sewell stepped into that role when they're in base and who knows? He could be, you know, pushing Jack Sanborn for like, you know, m- playing at that spot. Now yeah. we have not seen Sanborn because of the injury, but when when he comes back, more depth at linebacker never hurts. And I I really am impressed with how quickly Noah Sewell, like he was a five star recruit, four or five star yeah. recruit at one point. Like very clearly, he is a bill. He's a very good football player. So. The fact that he's getting some one, some you know, good size number of reps with the ones is is a big thing right now. Is there is there? I mean, is there a feeling that Jack Sanborn still has this number one spot right now, or is there right Noah Sewell might actually be taking this spot? What's the vibe around him? Because he's a player. Mm-hmm. When I watched him in college, I was like, this dude. You could tell he's Panay's brother. First off, because I was like, he could be a pass rusher if he really wanted to have his hand in the dirt, a lot of the moves he did to get around mm-hmm. defensive linemen. I was like, he could actually be a pass rusher. Yeah. He's it's funny. Cause I remember asking him about that, like during rookie camp, he, I was like, you ever play on the offensive line? Like, cause obviously sides difference is, is yeah. one thing, but it's like, no, like that was never his thing. And I, you know, to have that pedigree in your bloodline, he's had family members play in the NFL. Obviously, his brother was a first-round pick by the Lions a couple of years ago. It's his intelligence, I think, is part of the reason why he's able to get so many early reps with the first-team defense. And whether that means Jack Sanborn, I'm not saying at all Jack Sanborn's on borrowed time or anything like that, but this is a good development in terms yeah. of, hey, you've got somebody behind you who's pushing you potentially for your spot. You got to get out there when you're healthy and improve that you deserve the spot. Still, that's never a bad thing to have extra competition. Now, how people react to competition, how people perform when, when their jobs are potentially going to be taken over by somebody else, that that is something that you have to consider. But 
I think it's a great spot for this defense to be in. And, and especially with Noah Sewell as a day three draft pick able to come in um, early on and, and earn significant playing time. Now, the other player that I, I know Flu said that he kind of wanted to see a little bit more was Terrell, Terrell Smith, the cornerback from Minnesota. Mm-hmm. He's been injured during mini camp. So, but like, the, you know, it, it, despite him being a six round draft pick, the team's really excited about him in more depth at corner. Never heard. So I remember Mike Zimmer, the coach of Minnesota Vikings always said like, you know, his theory was just one more corner, just one more. You got to have one more because when you feel like you have enough, that's when an injury happens. That's when your depth gets tested. So right. how he looks at training camp and whether he can, you know, kind of play his way onto this roster into a depth role, see what he does in special teams. Uh, I'm excited to see what that one looks like too. Let's uh, let's keep this moving because I, I you started talking about the rookies. Let's get to the fourth quarter because I think the rookie development is something that right like maybe we didn't hear as much about. Uh, we've heard that people are just kind of playing well, right? But mm-hmm. has there been anybody right the offensive line, offensive side? Of course, you know. Darnell Wright's the the main guy that a lot of people are wondering about. Well, that they how they talked about Roshan and us basically yeah. not hearing anything about Roshan. What's going on with the offensive rookies? Roshan, Tyler Scott, Darnell Wright. What are you seeing from them uh, as far as their development to this point? Well, Darnell Wright's a starter. We know that. That's a great sign, and yeah. they don't overthink it. He's going to be playing right tackle. They spent a ten, uh, you know, top ten pick on him. He should yeah. be. Tyler Scott's worked his way in. Uh, he's gotten reps, you know, with the with the second team offense uh, pretty consistently. Punt return could be a job for him too. He's been competing mm. there during during mini camp, and then the one other is Roshan. Like a lot of buzz about him when he was coming in as a rookie, pillar of you know this team potentially before he ever like actually got in the building. And today. Matt Eberflus had mentioned when he just asked kind of a general thing, who's maybe stood out a little bit like under the radar, you know, which, which guys are you looking forward to seeing like, you know, the roster sleepers more or less. Right. Roshan Johnson could be contending for the top running back spot on this team. It's impossible to tell right now when guys are not in pads, right. it's a position that you have to, you know, see what pass protection looks like, you know, what, how do they handle a blitz pickup? Like what do you have three down backs in this roster? I believe they do guys who are capable of it, but like what role is everybody going to fulfill if you don't have somebody who goes into that role? And chances are like, you know, more times than not, a lot of NFL teams, they use, they use a stable versus like your three down rusher. Yeah. Like, so Roshan Johnson, they clearly saw a lot of those capabilities of him and the potential there when he was at Texas. What does that look like for him coming up during training camp? I would imagine that that's going, he's going to push Khalil Herbert, who is leader in the room right now. And I wrote about this last week. This is exactly what David Walker, the running backs coach had projected would be the case for, you know, the running back room. Right. Khalil Herbert gets all the one reps, like, you know, and even like during, during OTAs and mini camp, you see it, not just with like, you know, the individual stuff, but during, team and seven on you know seven on seven and eleven on eleven he's getting the first crack at everything with Justin Fields. That's the case right now. Does it mean it's always going to be the case in training camp? No. But there things all bets are off. Deontay yeah. Foreman is going to be in there. Roshan Johnson's going to have a chance to to really do a lot in this offense. So I think as far as like an under the radar guy to watch, I mean there was so much made about him that he didn't really feel under the radar, but haven't seen a whole ton just because 
you're not seeing much from the running back group right now because it's just not the time for that. But I would put my, I would put my money on Roshan Johnson being like the guy who quickly escalates himself to um, a very prominent role in this offense. I said, there's going to be one time in training camp where, you know, somebody goes out to block and it's going to be the Khalil Herbert or Deontay Foreman. They're going to be like, ah, Justin would have died on that play. Roshan, <laughs> get in there. Yeah, no, I mean, there's <laughs> you got to be able to help in pass protection. Yeah, like being a three down back, the rule it's not just running the football and running it hard, it's catching passes, it's being you know part of pass protection, you know, doing whatever is required of you to stay on the field for multiple right. downs. It's literally the in the like title of the position, but I am. Also wondering what Roshan Johnson's special teams responsibilities are going to be. Because if he's playing a lot on offense, they cannot use him as much on special teams. Just how yeah. how it, how they have to roll with it. So how early on do we see that? That's, you know, one of those storylines that we're going to be looking at going to the training camp. Like top three, did they sign an edge rusher? What is the running back room? What is it going to look like? And then, of course, Fields and DJ Moore. And then Fields and how, how quickly can Justin Fields build the chemistry he built with DJ Moore with Chase Claypool? Absolutely. Absolutely. When you look at the defensive side of the football, I feel like we didn't hear a lot about Javon Dexter or Zach Pickens. Not not bad either, right? Like maybe they're just doing their job. But I feel like we didn't hear a ton about them coming out on the defensive line. What are you seeing from both of them? You know, I heard Flus talking about, you know, him going from a two-gap system to a penetrating style. Um, is is it been, you know, steady improvement from uh OTAs or what mm-hmm. do you see in there? Tevin Jenkins said yesterday, like when he just asked about the two rookies, because he's seeing a lot of them in practice. Um, Justin Jones, as they say, is their three technique right now. But we'll see what the combination looks like. They could just choose to like rotate guys in and out a lot because you want to be fresh. (laughs) And, you know, it's 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 good problem to have a numbers game. But he said like very good hand usage out of both of them. And they know how to set up inside and outside moves. So when you have two rookies that are coming in a second and a third round pick who are talented in their own right, can do a lot of the same things, but um, can be used in different ways in this defense. It's good for depth, but it also shows you that you hit on your draft picks with with Jervon Dexter. I want to see what it looks like when he's able to actually rush the passer because he's, he was two gapping at Florida, which Matty Berflus talked about today. And, you know, he doesn't have like, you know, he's moving with the offensive lineman, not moving like, you know, see ball, get ball. That's what right. he's going to get to do now. Like, see the quarterback, go hit the quarterback. And he had, I know I have the stat somewhere. I don't have it off the top of my head, but it was something like among SEC players in the last two seasons, he generated the most pressures yeah. out of the three technique position. I think it was 12 in total. And how do you turn those pressures into quarterback hits and then sacks? That's what it's going to be. That's what's going to be his biggest focus. Um, you know, in learning how to, it might not come in training camp. Certainly will take a while, but that that's like the overarching goal for him this year. And then with Zach Pickens, where does he fit? I mean, yeah. How, where does he fit? Like that's going to, he's got competition in front of him. Um, you know, both can play the shade and can play the three technique, but like, where does he fit in this defense when they do have depth? And, and, and that's a good problem to have if you're Matt Eberflus, because other areas of your pass rush are lacking and they've kind of built theirs from the inside out. Maybe they're onto something with it. Maybe it'll expose that they really need to go get an edge rusher somewhere, somehow. And if they may have to trade for one, which I think 
Poles was on with Black and Abdallah, and he said that they, they're not ruling out anything. Signing a guy as a free agent, trading yeah. for somebody. And there are some names available. I mean, we bring up you know Chase Young during the offseason. We'll see when that, if it doesn't work out in Washington, when do the trade talks start to pick up? What about Daniel Hunter in Minnesota? I mean, he didn't show up for minicamp. They're trying it. They're, they're, uh, they're shopping him. So yeah. what does that look like? It's it's so it's one of those situations now where even when Paul says, right, it's a sooner or later thing, soon, mm-hmm. hopefully a sooner than later type of thing. Um, that tells me that something is coming. But I mean, when do you think that we would even start to see that, you know, coming down the pipeline where the Bears may be looking to sign somebody? Because we haven't even heard rumblings that the Bears are, you know, talking to anybody about possibly signing here. I would say closer to training camp because. Mm-hmm. There are a couple guys that are still free agents. I know we've mentioned Unique and Gakwe a lot. Like, what are they looking for? What are they looking to get paid? And are they trying to drum up a market for themselves that may not be, you know, as strong right now? Once you get closer to training camps, like, man, we got to get somebody in here. That's (laughs) when deals usually get struck. It's very, like, June and early July and mid-July, that's the time for extensions by, you know, across the NFL. We've seen that. But that's the other thing. Signing another player, maybe an, an addresser. And then what yeah. do they do with Jalen Johnson? What do they do with Cole Komet? The guys that are eligible for extensions this offseason, does it happen in the next couple of weeks? Does it happen? You know, when does it happen potentially? Yeah. Those are like they've got, they, they, it's not going to be like that quiet of an offseason from a front office standpoint because they still got work to do to like, you know, re sign potentially some of their own guys and add to the roster. Was there anybody they saw that maybe made them feel better? About, you know, maybe we don't have to go out and sign I think Demarcus Walker, Demarcus yeah. Walker, like what he provides this team, but you can't be the only one. Yeah. You didn't hear much about Dominique Robinson or Travis Gibson this offseason. So I At think all. that that's a big sign that you need to sign somebody. <laughs> At all. Um, let's hope they do something. I, 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 I guess that's our only real concern. But, hey, we do want to know how you guys feel in the comments below. Drop that on the YouTube side if you're listening on the podcast. I appreciate you for always showing love. This is another edition of the Chicago Bears podcast. For Courtney Cronin, I am Pat the Designer. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with Yurko in the building. As always, y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. Peace.